It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Let's go in the lab. Hey there, good to be with you again. Drew Doherty with my good pal John Harris. Time to go in the lab. John, let's do the table of contents before we actually do the show. Always important. Always important. First, Very it's, important. first, it's great to see you as always, my friend. Uh, I appreciate being here for In the Lab. It's one of my uh, favorite things to do. I love to be able to sit here and break bread with you and, and figure this whole football thing out. Ditto, vice versa, same. I'll uh, repeat all three of those. Ditto, vice versa, and same. But here's what we got today. We're going to start off with Tell Me About, and that's going to involve over the next few months as we lead up to the draft, and we might continue it afterwards, but it's all going to be draft-related. I'm going to do Tell Me About, and today it's Jawan Taylor. He's the Florida offensive tackle. You're going to spend about two minutes talking about who he is because he was mocked to the Texans five different times hmm. in the latest mock draft survey, which I released yesterday. Yeah. And as you would guess, out of 22 mock drafts, that number's going to grow. We're going to have more mock drafts when it's all said and done to evaluate. But out of 22 different mock drafts, he was named on five of them. And 17 of 22 had the Texans taking an offensive tackle at 23 overall. Yep. Four guys had DeAndre Baker from Georgia and Byron Murphy from Washington, the corners there going to the Texans. And then for some reason, Bucky Brooks had Noah Fant, a tight end, coming here. But I don't see that happening. I think Bucky's probably going to change his his mock once it's all said and done. But anyways, John, tell me about Jawan Taylor. Well, first of all, the no fan thing, I, I, I've seen that. I, I, I saw Bucky's mock, and I'm like, what? And usually, you know, Bucky's pretty good. Yeah, I'm not going to talk to I'm him not gonna, senior bowl. I'm not going to deride him and say he's, oh, he's a moral. I just don't think no, it's happening, and I don't was, think it's going to stick. Yeah, you know, guys that put together these mock drafts, they're not, you know, especially big name guys. I know the time that goes into those things. I know the time that I put in mm-hmm. into mine. I know the time the guys put into theirs. I think sometimes guys don't ultimately dive deeper than they need to. They just look at, hey, what could Deshaun Watson use? Mm-hmm. And then as you do it, you realize all the tackles that you had or you thought you could put with the Texans would be off the board. So either way, that's a little bit of a side. Juwan Taylor played at Coco High School, and I bring that up because uh, my buddy was a defense coordinator there when Juwan was there. He was, they, they crossed over for a year. Uh, my buddy Lance Jenkins had been the head coach at New Smyrna Beach. He coached guys like Dakota Dixon, who's at – uh, University of Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, another safety at the University of North Carolina. So he's had. He knows good players. He knows good players. And he went down to Coco and he coached Juwan Taylor. So I know that Juwan Taylor got. And this isn't always the case in high school. You don't always get great coaching in high school. You get a lot of athletes, but sometimes that doesn't always come together. But at Coco, John Wilkinson was head coach. And he and Lance were good buddies, and they, they grew up together from Merritt Island. Merritt Island is where Derek Brown, longtime tight end for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And then first-round draft pick, Merritt Island spit out a lot of players. And Sean now, Hayes, right? Sean Hayes, former strength coach. Yeah, yeah, Sean Hayes came out of Merritt Island. Now and, with the WWE. Oh, yeah. So some good coaching and some good players out of there. And that was the first thing that stood out, like wh- where he came from and the coaching he got in high school. And then he goes to the University of Florida. And this past year, I think what's interesting about this, if I remember correctly, Dan Mullen's offensive coordinator slash offensive line coach is John Hevesy because John Hevesy had been the offensive line coach slash offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. And obviously we know about Mississippi State and the connection that it has. So I would think Juwan Taylor is going to be on the radar screen. He played right tackle for the University of Florida. Florida had a high – Wait, John, Texans can't take a right tackle. they got to take a left tackle, right? Well – Wrong. 
Well, the reason that he played right tackle is that Florida had a five-star recruit, not that Juwan wasn't, but that five-star recruit, Martez Ivy, and I think that they looked at Ivy at different spots and they eventually said, look, Ivy's probably best suited to play to the left side. But the one thing that I, I think, and this will be interesting in this draft, I, I've gotten kind of – I've tried to get away from the left side, right side, because, look, if you can't protect the left side, then how are you going to protect the right side? If you can't protect the right side, how are you going to protect the left side? And I know that some people will say, well, hey, the rushers, you know, uh, you know, the best rusher you put on the other side. Mm, well, where, where was J.J. Watt? Where was J.J. Watt the yeah, He was over the right season. tackle all season. He was yeah. over the left side almost the entire time over the right tackle. So I just think you've got to be able to play tackle. And I think Juwan has that. He's good size. He's a good athlete. He moves pretty well. He's got a nasty disposition. I mean, in the run game, he is trying to bury guys. In the past game, I thought the one thing about his pass protection to me, watching him earlier in the year and watching him later in the year, I don't say he looked like a different guy, but he looked like he was much improved. He just got more comfortable, it felt like. But I watched him against Kentucky against Josh Allen. Josh Allen's throwing spin moves, and Taylor's locking him up. Mm-hmm. Tried to hit him with some speed, dip and rip off the edge, and Taylor locked him up. And you know Taylor had that opportunity this year to go against some really good rushers. He faced Brian Burns from Florida State. I watched that game, too, and Burns did nothing against Taylor. Uh, he went against Josh Allen. Now, Allen will move around for Kentucky, so he didn't get him all game, but he got him enough of that game. I think Juwan Taylor could step into either tackle spots and be a guy for you that starts right away. I think that's a good pick at 23. I Honestly, I don't think he gets to 23. He's better than that, you think? I think that he's going to be it, – it, it's not so much that he's – I think when my top 100 comes out, he's probably going to be somewhere between probably 17 to 23, somewhere in that range. But things vary with – how teams are picking, right? What that's, happens on runs? You know, like that, do quarterbacks get taken more? Do yeah. quarterbacks get taken less? Exactly. We hear it's not a great quarterback class, but that sometimes changes. Absolutely. And then it comes down to free agency. Uh-huh. What you do in free agency, it could precipitate. You know, if you lose a guy, yeah. also the team that you're not thinking about needing a tackle might need a tackle. So you kind of play all that into account. I think he's. I think he's in the top. I think he's in the top twenty-five of players in this draft. Okay. But I think because the the tackle position is desperately needed in in a few places, uh, I think his services are going to be definitely desired. Now, the good thing about the tackle position, and we'll talk about him, you know, guys like Greg Little and Jonah Williams from Alabama, and Greg Little from Ole Miss, and Juwan Taylor. There are some there are some options. Last year, I did not like the options at tackle. I really well, you, didn't. You just name those guys, and then others who have shown up on the mock draft survey, which doesn't mean that. They're going to be around that area, but we've heard Washington State's Andre Dillard. Yeah, Dillard. Yep. We've heard Yadni Kajust from West Virginia, and we also have heard Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Yeah, there's been some names that have popped up. Yeah, and not Ford, to mention Reisner from uh, from Kansas State at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, exactly, and that's another one. I mean, you just you just named a few, and and look, Ford and, and Reisner. I think some teams will look at Ford as a, as a guard. Cody Ford's a heck of a player. I've seen him as high as five on some mock drafts. Mm. I've seen him uh, all the way into the second round for a team. Maybe moved him to, to uh, guard. Our good friend Lance Airline. I texted Lance just kind of on some different things, and, and I wanted to see who he had as mock, and I think he had Greg Little. And I yeah. said, well, where did you have these guys? And I kind of gave it to him. He said, well, I had Ford going to the Vikings as a guard because the Vikings need offensive linemen, so they're, and, and they're picking ahead of the Texans. So from that standpoint, I think it's going to be really interesting, but at least there are some options. If you don't find something in free agency, if that's indeed what you're looking at, you've already locked up Chantrell Henderson. We'll see what happens with Kendall Lamb in free agency. You have an opportunity sitting at 23, and you have ammunition. Yeah. Because you've got those two second-round picks. I, I don't know if there'll be a guy that they just fall in love with, but I think the fact that there are options with offensive tackles 
and just offensive linemen in general. There are options. Yeah. So I think from that standpoint, you got to feel pretty good about what's going to be there potentially at 23. That you're going to get a pretty good pass protector, pretty good offensive lineman there at that spot. And I like what we saw from this front office group and what they did last year in the draft with very, very limited resources in comparison to what we have now. All right, moving on along, we had a lot of changes announced yesterday on the coaching staff. Yep. First and foremost, you have a new offensive coordinator in Tim Kelly. Not a new face. He's been here since the beginning, 2014, with yep. O'Brien. And a very interesting story came on to Penn State. Not not where he started his career, but he started with O'Brien at Penn State and has been with him since 2012. Very highly thought of, very creative mind, and now he's the offensive coordinator for your Houston Texans. I think with with Tim and, and obviously we've had a chance we've had a chance talking about does Tim call plays, does he not, how they're gonna go about doing it. And we asked Bill O'Brien about that. Mm-hmm. I asked him that point blank and said, are you going to call plays or is Tim going to call plays or how have you thought that all the way through? And he didn't say no and he didn't say yes. He just said that's you know something that we're going to consider and that we're going to talk about. And and Bill's called the plays the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, 1817. I'm kind of losing track. We're going into 2019. Uh, George Gotze called the plays in 2016. And, and I think that goose was probably hamstrung a little bit by his quarterback situation in yeah, some Brock sense. Osweiler. Yeah, but – but Goose called the plays for a few years, and then Bill, and I remember him telling, we asked him about that. He said, you know, there are probably some things that I do a little bit better than George, and there are probably some things that George does a little bit better than me. It just felt like it was time to make that move. And now it's a time to add that offensive coordinator. So you add Tim Kelly, you move him from tight ends to offensive coordinator, and it's just going to be interesting how they go about doing it. Because we've seen, and I talked about this with Mark, Drew, the fact that when – Gary Kubiak was head coach, and he had Kyle Shanahan. There were times where Gary called all the plays, and Kyle was offensive coordinator name only. And then there were times where Gary, when Kyle was calling some of the plays, then Gary would eventually kind of take over in the fourth quarter. And finally, Kyle just said, look, either I do it or I don't. Yeah. And so finally, Gary gave it to him, and they ended up having one of the top offenses in the entire league. So there are different ways to go about the offensive coordinator, play caller, head coach sort of thing. And I don't know that they've – maybe they do have an idea of how they're going to do this, whether Tim is actually going to call plays, but he's one of the hardest-working guys in this building. I don't think there was ever a time that I was in here. There were times that I was in here – I remember my second year, I think it was, I had come up here for something. I had had my yeah. family with me, and we were just on some random day. I happened to see him in his office. He's a grinder. Like, he's always man. around. And you yeah. know what? You bring up – you probably talk about how your family was up here. There's a lot of times I've seen his young family. Yeah. He's married. He's got some young Absolutely. kids. And he uh, he would wedge in some time you know, to see them. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to see what he does. He's part of an experienced staff here. And I say experience in both experience with O'Brien as well as experience in the league. And so he's someone who's a bit of a holdover, quote-unquote. Now, someone who's not a holdover but has a hell of a lot of experience, a lot of skins on the wall, quarterback's coach, in Carl Smith, yeah, very fascinating dude. <laughs> yeah, okay, I let's mean, let's like let's look through his curriculum vitae. Do we have here. enough time? Okay, he's coached Drew Bledsoe when Drew Bledsoe was one of the best in the game in the late in the nineties. Played the Super Bowl. He coached quarterbacks the only year in franchise history that the Cleveland Browns have gone to the playoffs. Yep, has been the coach of quarterbacks for one Russell Wilson, better part of a decade. He coached quarterbacks. Yeah, he's been there from Russell from the beginning. Yeah. For Russell, right? Coached quarterbacks at USC when Matt Leinart was there mm-hmm. in 04. Matt Leinart won, t- won the Heisman Trophy that, that season. That year, yeah. They won the national title. That year. It's one of the best college football teams of all time. It was the year 
before they lost to Texas in the Rose Bowl. So this guy has been around. And on top of all that, what I love to throw in is he coached three years in the USFL with the USFL champs, yeah. the Philadelphia Baltimore Stars. I, I just finished the Jeff Perlman book about the USFL oh, football for man, a buck. It's awesome. I'll bring it in if I you, you want to borrow it. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's been around winning. He's been around success. He's got a lot of different stories to tell, a lot of wisdom to impart upon an absolute gem of a prospect, gem of a player in Deshaun Watson, John. I can't yeah, wait. I'm he, excited. He definitely has multiple clay to work with. There's no question about that with Deshaun. So Deshaun's, the voices in Deshaun's head have grown, and then there's going to be obviously one name that we throw in that mix too. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like it because, you know, look, Deshaun's 23, still still growing as a player, still growing as a professional, and to have a number of different people to bounce ideas off of or to have an idea room I think is going to be pretty pretty interesting. So you look at his – and, I mean, Drew Bledsoe with the Patriots. You mentioned uh, Matt Liner. I mean, he has been – he's had experience in pretty much there, – there probably isn't anything that Carl Smith hasn't seen. Not to mention he's going to be on the same staff as his son, Tracy Smith, but I, which, which I think is very cool. I, I want to add on to this when you finish your point here in a second because I think that there's something important to add in there. But, yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I, I just I, – I think what you saw with with Russell Wilson – and some people will say, well, wait a second. If you're up in Seattle and you're with a guy, Pete Carroll, that you've been with with the Jets, with the Patriots – at USC, mm-hmm. with the Seahawks, well, well, why would you want to leave? Why He's a West Coast guy. When you get an opportunity, and I, I speak from experience in some in some sense, because people have always asked me, would, would you ever want to coach on the same staff as your dad? And I used to say, if I was a head coach somewhere, I would want my dad on my side because I always trusted him. Yeah. I knew he would have my back. I knew he knew the game. I knew he was competitive like me. I would always want to be near my dad. And when you have that opportunity, you you jump at it. You jump at it. I remember um, defense line coach Bill Kolar was sure. here the first year of the Bill O'Brien tenure in 2014. Right. Then he went to Bill and just said, look, I'd really like to be around my family up in Denver. And so how do you, you know, build them out of the contract or whatever it was. And then you make Kolar, happen, yeah. Kolar ended up going up to, to Denver and has done a really nice job for the Denver Broncos and, and that defensive line. So I think there are a lot of – there are a lot of uh, – interesting aspects to Carl Smith coming in here as quarterback's coach, but if you just take it on the face of what he's done, his resume, where he's been, who he's been with, I like it, Drew, because there's never going to be one one solution that always works. Oh, no, no, no. There's a million ways to skin a cat. And for that reason, and I always found this, I always found the best coaches were the ones that could say, okay, and I'll give you an example of this. Carl Smith coached with a guy by the name of Larry Zerline who was the offensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns. And before he got to the Cleveland Browns, I remember I remember I went to see a clinic with Coach Z, and I'd known Coach Z for a long time. And so Coach Z was teaching us a gap play. And there was a play that I ended up using the next year and used it pretty successfully. And I, I'll never forget, he said, well, you know, back a couple of years ago, we had a guard that was 5'11", 295 pounds. And so we couldn't block it like this, so we blocked it like this. Well, the next year, we had a couple of taller guards, and so we decided we could block it like this. So we had all this different experience that he could bring to it. Because it wasn't like, well, you know, we've got five Hall of Famers up front. We just block it the same way all the time. It was we had to try on different things and do different things. Carl Smith has been around different quarterbacks. Different things are going to work for Liner. Different things that work for Bledsoe. Different things that worked or didn't work for Russell Wilson. Now he brings all of that to Deshaun Watson. And so now you just have this repository of things that Carl Smith can say, hey, 
okay, that, that didn't work for you. Mm-hmm. But you know, what Bledsoe did was this. Yeah. Maybe that's something we could try. You know, it, it blends into what I was the point I was going to talk about. So last year, special teams flips over. You bring in Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith as assistant. Yep. And you totally flip the script. We, you and I have talked about it a lot. We, we brought it up many, many times on this podcast throughout the season. And we still probably didn't talk enough about how important that was and how important that was to winning 11 games. Yeah. Special teams was so much better. So in much a better. lot of ways, this move, bringing in an outside, very, very successful and experienced guy, is a lot like what you did with Seeley. Yeah. And on top of all that, he's related to one of the guys that was one of the main reasons for your success yeah, there exactly. on special teams and his son, Tracy Smith. Yep. So I really think this is a cool move. And now you're already starting from a much better spot where you were on special teams where you are now with your quarterback. Meaning right, right. You're, you don't you didn't have the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> right, right. You've got a guy who's way near the top, and how much more can you improve him, help him grow? I'm fascinated by it. I, I can't wait to see Watson's growth. I was excited about it before this hire. I'm even more excited about it now. And... We're going to see some familiar faces. Brian Cushing is obviously the, the most notable one. He's going to be an assistant strength and conditioning coach, going to help a little bit with the defense, going to help kind of with what I think might be the most important part. He's going to help out with the rookies as far as I bet you he's going to be pointing out stuff. This is what you don't know and what you need to find out yep. and learn because, I mean, I wish I'd had a coach like that when I was in my 20s. Hey, you don't know about this. You need to worry about this. You need to think about that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even a football player, but I think that would have helped for for rookies. But on top of that, you get T.J. Yates coming in as an offensive assistant, the folk hero of all Texans folk heroes for what he did back in 2011, and then yeah. did again in 2015. And Akeem Dent, former linebacker, he's coming in. He's going to be a defensive assistant. And ironically, those guys were traded for each other way back when, and now they're back on the staff here. But I'm I'm pretty. F- pretty pumped to see what Yates can impart knowledge-wise because he's played with Deshaun yeah. or been on the same team as Deshaun, even though uh, Deshaun was injured. And I think it's going to be fun, another experienced voice with a different set of experiences to help things out growth-wise for him. Well, if I remember correctly, when Deshaun was a rookie, he I want to say that he learned some of this offense from TJ, like TJ helped him through. Yep. And that was, <clears throat> I don't want to say a secret, but there are a lot of things that we learn sometimes in the building way before anybody else and so I've been seeing you know people out there um, making comments about the offensive coordinator what they can do with the offensive coordinator with Sean Ryan left like what they were going to do it was about two or three days I think before the news was announced on Sean Ryan and I was just walking a hall I was walking to service level and I was like I just popped out of the studio and all of a sudden I was like oh hey and I'm so used to seeing TJ around the building uh-huh. you know, we've seen him so it's it, it's an it odd it's an odd experience because it's it's now happened that experience that you're having right about three times over the last five years yeah yeah so you exactly. walk out and he's back yeah you know, exactly and so your first thought is wait and I was like doing the math in my head and then I was like oh wait a second and then I was like kind of putting the pieces together and thought whoa could he be could he be the young quarterback assistant that sits in the you know that is in the room with Carl mm-hmm. Smith that is. You know, the guy that can, you know, if Deshaun needs to vent about something, you know, he can go to TJ and, you know, they've been together. And so I start thinking about what that quarterback room is going to be like with Carl in there. And then you're going to have TJ, obviously, and then Bill O'Brien will pop in and out. Tim Kelly, I don't know if he'll spend time in there, kind of bounce all meetings or where he'll be during uh, uh, position meetings and such. But it's just going to be a different – it's going to be a different look. It's going to be a different voice. But 
I, be, I was kind of sitting on that T.J. Yates secret for a while, so I was kind of waiting. <laughs> I was kind of waiting. And then the news of Tim Kelly was coming out, and then when Sean Ryan was leaving, it was like – I didn't know about the Carl Smith situation. I didn't know about right. that. But I had seen T.J. a couple of times at that point. I was like, man, I really want to put this on Twitter, but I can't. Yeah. There's some breaking stories. But I, I, I like it. I just think he's – Again, another guy that's dealt with success in this town. He's, you know, he's been with Bill O'Brien. He understands this offense. He has coaching on in his family. I think his, I think Bill said his father-in-law was a football coach. So his wife understands the coaching aspect of things. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think there's a lot of there's a lot of good in bringing T.J. Yates back. And and coach talked about Akeem Dent. I, I, that was the first thing that stood out when I heard Akeem Dent, T.J. Yates. Wow. That was kind of quirky that they've been traded for another. Now they're here. And he said Akeem wanted to coach, and and Bill said, you know, I don't really have a spot for Such him. Such a cool story. So he went to Colorado State. Uh-huh. He was a volunteer assistant for Mike Bobo, who they know each other from the Georgia years. And he was a volunteer coach there. He stayed in contact with Bill. When there was an opportunity with the defensive assistant spot, Akeem got the opportunity to come here. So I think continuing to add new blood, but also guys that have played in the game. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, I don't think Carl Smith played in the NFL, but I don't think that changes. Yeah, to Bill Belichick. Yeah, so I don't know if that changes how a guy's perceived. A guy does good work, great. But I do think in certain circumstances for younger coaches, guys that have played in the league, that does matter to, sure. to the guy, to the players. you got to have a mix. you got to yeah. have a mix on your uh, staff. Absolutely. Doesn't have to be the head guy. Could be. Doesn't have to be. But I, 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 like, that, I like that mix. And then Bill spoke very highly of Johnny Awald, who is going to also join the offensive side of the ball with Will Lawing. With Will Long moving up the tight ends coach, then that opened up an offensive assistant spot. And I'm trying to think. There was two. Who's the second one? There was a second one. Will was working with tight ends. I know I'm missing one. But anyways, they're going to end up with two offensive assistants. But I think that's one other piece in this, and that's Will Long moving to the tight ends. Mm-hmm. He and Tim Kelly came in here together from Penn State with Bill O'Brien, and they took those, those assistant roles and just did everything. Yeah. I mean, did everything. I mean, you use the word grind. It gets, you know, oh, the grit and the grind, you know, all that kind of stuff. Look, it's football. Yeah. You know, so you take it for what it's worth. But those guys, early hours, late nights, they were grinding through. And Tim got an opportunity to be tight ends coach. And now he's getting an opportunity to be offensive coordinator. And then Will's getting his opportunity, which I think is well-deserved. I brought up Cushing. Uh, Mike Eubank is the new uh, head strength and conditioning coach. Yep. He's been here. This yep. has been this will be year number two. He came over with Luke Richardson. He's thought – very highly of. Yep. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a pretty seamless transition. I know that whole staff was very well regarded mm-hmm. and accepted and, and kind of embraced by not just the coaching staff, but the players. Yep. They, they could see the functionality of things. And I think uh, you're in good hands there as far as Mike being in charge. And uh, Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mike. I think Mike's going to do I think he's going to do a hell of a job. He was, uh, he, he was asking me the other day, he, you work out, man? I was like, <laughs> Some swimming. Uh. I would see Mike. When we would be on the road. There would be two guys in the in the uh, hotel workout room at like six o'clock in the morning trying to get a workout. Was he one in. of them? Huh? And he would be one of them, and I would be the other one. You were the only two. Okay. I would be the only right. two. And eventually, Bill O'Brien would come in, but usually it was me and Mike. And uh, I, I love him. I think he's going to do a heck of a job. I hate losing Luke. I know Bill O'Brien didn't want to lose Luke, but. I think he's got a lot of yeah, trust. Yeah, you got to replace Luke with somebody. Absolutely. Mike's, Mike's a great guy to absolutely. choose there. So. Perfect fit. Yeah, I'm happy for Mike. Hey, I'm happy for you, man, because uh, I had fun doing this podcast with you. It's good to get back talking about some football, talking about the future. We're going to do it again next week because we're going to have another Tell Me About Johnny 
and uh, that's going to probably involve a def- an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle, I'll wager. And it might might involve corner, but you never know. That's one of many things we're going to discuss because we've got a lot to get into to dig up this year, this offseason, on In the Lab. So long. <laughs> Woo! <laughs>